friends or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Okay. So we might be approaching to that moment where it's an awkward moment where we're not sure if it's live and we're no, we, we know it's live. live. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah, it's live. I think we're I think we're good to go. We're live. It's Friday night. Michael, how you doing, my friend? Good, Hector. How are you? I'm doing just great. Yeah. How's your week been? It's been good. I, I just came back from vacation today for a week. Um, we were at this little lake called Panther Lake outside of Syracuse. We rented a lake house with some oh, friends. Nice. How, how was that? Oh, it was, it was great. It was probably one of our one of our best trips as a family, um, taking a week off and trying my best to disconnect. And, uh, and so I thank, my, uh, thank all my team and my employees for making that possible and not reaching out. So holding down the fort <laughs> yeah holding down the fort dealing with all the customers and all the ruckus that happens so, so that's true you say not reaching out you're saying uh withholding the urge to call you to ask you a question yeah yeah and, yeah and, and making decisions on their own exactly exactly uh, what, what is it what is it about what is it about making decisions that some people have such a tough time with i think i think it's there is um i think I think most people have a fear of making a mistake and, and then dealing with the consequences of that mistake. And it's all making a mistake, but, but isn't that, couldn't you just tell them, don't worry if you make the mistake, it'll be okay. Isn't oh, that totally. And, and actually I do. That's funny. As I, I do that with all employees, I say, you are not going to get fired by making a mistake. You're actually going to get, you're actually going to get, um, you're actually going to get, probably let go and, and limit your growth if you don't purposely make mistakes. Like if you don't go out there and try to do things and make mistakes on purpose, you won't learn. And uh, uh, are mistakes costly though, Mike? Well, it depends. It depends on what you mean by costly, right? Costly is all relative. So we're not doing hospital surgery here, right? So you're, you know, you can sure, fix sure. your journal entry in QuickBooks. <laughs> uh, you uh so the big difference in our profession that i can tell somebody go out and make mistakes right i'm not running a hospital i'm, I'm you know well, I'm running what's what's the what's the costliest mistake that an employee of yours has made that's a great question um the costliest mistake i would say um we had a we there was a recent incident where um we paid somebody on bill.com. We paid a contractor on bill.com and it was connected to the wrong contractor. The payment in bill.com in the payment network, you can connect to different payment IDs and whoever we were connected to, it was the wrong contractor. Like the wrong person accepted the invitation. So, so money went to the wrong person. Right. Correct. Right. And you had to, and you had to bring it back. And we had to figure out how to get it back. And, and we wanted to cover our client until we were able to figure out how to bring it back. Um, and so that's, you know, that's, that would be an example of probably the, one of the costliest mistakes or more costly mistakes um, that, that, that occurred. Um, Did you get it back? Uh, yes, yes, yes. We're able to get back. We're able to get the money back so from this. It didn't cost you anything. It was just the yeah. aggravation. Of it was aggravation. Oh, and then probably another one would be, um, we probably another one would be is we took on a client and they, they didn't do their homework on the integration they wanted to do. They wanted to do an integration with the system. We said, well, we don't really, we're not familiar with the system. We want you to know that. Um, um, so we can try, but we're just going to let you know that we can't make any promises on the integration. And so, but in order to keep the client, the integration had to work and it, and it didn't, it didn't go well. It didn't work. And because the client didn't do their homework on how they wanted, I mean, it integrated, but they didn't, it didn't integrate the way the client wanted to it to integrate in regards to reporting. So, uh, so anyways, that, that would be, uh, that would be, that would be the case, um, in, in regards to, to, to a cost of mistake, we, we ended up losing that client. They weren't upset with us. They knew that we tried our best, but but we we couldn't make we couldn't make that client the integration work the way they wanted it to. So, all right, cool. Oh. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, we don't make mistakes, so I don't have a story. Like that. <laughs> of course, you don't have a story. Yeah. yeah, no, no, we have. I mean, I would say the the 
whatever if, if a mistake has ever been costly was you know the loss of the client i mean any other any other costs are not really that important i think losing the client is one of the the toughest things so usually is a you know a deadline thing right we we give somebody the a deadline and we can't meet it or we set the expectation wrong we tell them yeah it, it's going to it's going to work like that it's going to feel like that and at the end for whatever reason it doesn't and uh, and we you know client let, lets us go or we or we mutually agree that you know what it, it makes sense for us to stop working at this point uh we can't really fix it you know like a, a lot of times you can make a mistake so grave at the beginning of the engagement that you really can't you really can't go back and fix it i mean two three years in once you have a relationship yeah yeah you can you can plead to the, your friendship and your relationship and leverage that but at the beginning if you if, if you mess up you just have to recognize you're right messed up you know here's your money back yeah you know move on you know exactly it, it uh trying to fix it might might make things worse i think sometimes um I think it's just easier to just give the client the money back and then let them decide if they want to try again. But if you try to say, well, let's fix it first. Let's try to fix it first without giving the client that, that assurity that they could look, let's just reset the whole thing. I can go somewhere else. If for whatever reason you can't fix it fast enough or you can't recover well enough, uh, it might be even worse for your reputation. So, yeah. um, so anyway, you know, that's a bit know, off topic. Off topic of what we wanted to talk about, but uh, well, it kind of I relates, think. right? It it does relate to winning, influencing people, and 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 winning, making friends, right? It kind of relates, but it is interesting, and this is a whole topic for another night. Is how in the process of a client engagement, it I was actually talking to somebody about this. How it's very much like how you experience a restaurant for the first time. When when you experience a client engagement, your the rest of your relationship is almost marked by that first week, right? That first week or two of the client engagement. And like you said, if you, if you knock it out of the park, you could basically be mediocre for about a year. <laughs> and, and that first 30 days, that left the client a great feeling about you. But if you mess it up, you basically can't recover. You might as well just end the, you give them the money back and the engagement. And sometimes the client will say, no, no, I want to keep working with you. Let's figure out how to make it work. But like you said, it's very hard to recover and make the experience good again. And I was, I was talking to a, a coaching client the other day about this, how, how, you know, when you go to a restaurant and um, there's a few points where you get really annoyed. One is a hostess or host doesn't, doesn't greet you and say, can I help you get seated? Um, or, you know, how, you know, tell you how long it's going to time to take. They, so let's say they seat you now, then they're supposed to get you water, right? Everyone, Wait, Michael, you forgot, you forgot one. They yeah. give you, they say 50 minutes and it takes 40 minutes. Yes, yes, there right. you go. Forgot yes. that one, right? Yeah, that one. So they, they, should, they should give you, they should always give you time longer than it takes to actually seat you so that they can, you know, over deliver on that. And then secondly, the other one is they seat you, they, they, they don't eat you water immediately, but then also you wait around for the actual waitress or waiter to bring you the menu and you wait and you're like, no one comes and acknowledges that you're a customer <laughs> and that you're just waiting there. And so I've, I've even left restaurants. Like we've been here for like five minutes. Why hasn't anybody come up and asked if we want anything or want to order anything or where are the menus? So I've literally left with my family saying, I'm not dealing with this. And that'll immediately tarnish my, your ability to go back to that restaurant ever again, which is funny. That's just one little experience. And so it's the same thing with clients, but anyways, that was, that was, uh, it was an interesting point you made about that beginning experience. It, and, and in the spirit of making a segue to our topic, yeah. um, which, uh, which we wanted to talk about, we want to talk about networking. I think we were discussing, I, I put a posting in, in the QB, uh, uh, the QB power users group, you know, to people, I just kind of did say, Hey, who's not going to QB connect? Who's in the fence? You know, I, I'll, I'll help you decide to go. Cause I'm just really excited about you know, QB Connect this year again. Um, so a few people were posting that uh, we're going, I'm not going. And, uh, and the ones that were going, we asked, what do you like the most about the QB Connect conference? And uh, meeting people was kind of like the, the main theme. And there's a whole bunch of people that said, you know, I'm kind of an introvert. Meeting people, that's not my thing. I know there's a lot of people, but I don't know how to meet people. I don't know how to network or I don't really get the value from it. I, I know there's a lot of people there, but we, I don't know how to, connect with them or get something out of it or 
uh, or build a relationship. So some of it has to do with first impressions, but the other one has to do with kind of like, it's just like state of mind. You know, when, when you're, when you're in a conference, there's, there's, there's two potential things you can, you can learn or you can get out of it. One is new information, new training, new, new techniques, new tips, new, new technology, whatever. And two is new relationships, right? And, and, and either, and either one uh, has its own place and it has its own weight and its own value, but technology comes and goes, right? Technology changes, apps come and go. And, um, you know, a new feature becomes an old feature or a software gets redesigned. That stuff is, that stuff just is more temporary. Uh, relationship building could be for a lifetime. And, um, and I think a lot of folks have, have a tough time seeing the value in investing in building relationships and investing in, the, in meeting new people. So we, what Michael and I want to talk about was, you know, for some of us, it's easy to like shake our hands and say, hey, hello, this, this is who I am and, and start chatting with people. But some of us are introverts or, or we think we're introverts because I think one thing that is really important is introvert or extrovert it's basically, it's a switch in your head. You know, it's not, there's no, I don't think there's any physical evidence that your body is built in a certain way to be an introvert or an extrovert. The decision you made at some point in your lifetime that you were introvert and you label yourself as one forever. And that's an excuse not to talk to people, basically. Right. Now, I don't want to knock down on the people that just feel anxiety around other people. I get that. That's a bit different. I know that's, that's hard, but you can you can consciously make the switch, make the decision to meet new people. So, Michael, let's talk about how do we meet new people? What's a proper way of doing it? Maybe a couple of examples, some context. What are some ways we can ease into conversations without looking awkward, without feeling awkward? Yeah. And and what what do we get out of building relationships with other accountants at conferences, for example? Yeah, no, that's great. So you know. Um, my, an immediate example, uh, I, I can think of right now is, is, uh, this, this interaction we're having this, this podcast, this show we're doing is all because you and I, we didn't know each other until a few years ago and we weren't afraid to say hi to each other, um, at the Intuit council when we were all flown in together. Now that was a forced situation, but still even in a room of 20 something people, I could, I could have been in shy or you could have been shy and said, Hey, I don't, you know, I'm not going to go up and say hi and make, make friends. And, uh, but we did. And, and that, that created and led to this, this opportunity to, to meet one another and, and, and form a great friendship um, in the industry. Now I remember my first QuickBooks connect. So I was, you know, I've told, often told you and told many others, I was not aware of anything about this community or this ecosystem um, less than four years ago, I did not know it exists existed. And so I went to QuickBooks connect 2015. I think that was the second QuickBooks connect that ever happened. And I went and I met a lot of people. I met a lot of people that I didn't know. Um, and, and for those of you who are, are, you know, obviously for Hector and I, it's very easy to meet people. It's very easy. So for those of you, it's not, it's not easy or you're shy. Well, I want you to know, even as an extrovert, going to the first, the for, going for the first time, it was actually pretty intimidating for me to go because I was new to the ecosystem. I had basically barely launched my firm. I had one employee, uh, and they were, you know, showcasing these firms of the future on 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 the stage, and everyone was, you know, all thousands of people were there, and they were having all these parties, and I was there by myself, like, what is going on here? What what am I doing here? and meeting people. And, uh, what it took for me, even as an extrovert who was intimidated, what it took for me was being willing to just say hi, simply decide I'm going to say hi to the people I end, I end up sitting next to at the different workshops and the different sessions, main speaker sessions. That's all I did was I introduced myself and I said, Hey, my name's Michael. I'm from Burlington, Vermont. And I just, I, I, I'm here. This is my first time. Uh, I just wanted to meet some people. So simply saying hi, introducing myself and asking them where they're from and realizing that everybody that's coming, whether they're a first time attendee or, you know, multiple attendee, they're all there to network 
and we're all there to meet new people, it took it when I when I kind of went to that mindset, it removed the intimidation um, that I had for going for the first time. And so it really it really took me just saying, I'm gonna say hi to the people that I sit next to. I'm just gonna make that my my goal at this show, because otherwise I didn't really know I didn't really have a direction of who to go say hi to or what to do besides besides the workshops and the speakers I was gonna go see. That's all. So I just said, who am I going to say And I remember meeting a really nice guy from Idaho. Uh, I think he's in, the, um, and, and he helped runs a firm there. Meeting a really nice guy. He was really funny. He was um, really welcoming. And he introduced me to his employees. Um, and he remembered me every year after that. He remembered me every year when I showed up to QuickBooks Connect. He found me at the show and said, hey, do you remember me? And we'd talk and stuff. And so you end up making friends too that you end up seeing every year and you look forward to seeing every year and you may not talk to all year, but you see each year. Um, but it, all it took was just me saying, making that goal. I'm going to say hi and ask what their name is and where they're from um, and where they work, you know, um, at every session and whoever I sit next to, it doesn't matter who it is. I'm just going to sit, whoever I sit next to. So maybe that's one little goal for somebody who may be new or an introvert. Just say hi to the person you sit next to. Yeah, so a couple. So you, you say next to in a in a session or while having lunch. Which one? Like what context are you talking about? In, any any of them. Any, I basically made the decision. Anytime I sit down in a chair, and if there's somebody literally sitting next to me, because I'm you know you're in a room of workshop at a workshop at lunch at the main speaker sessions. You're there's people everywhere, right? And everywhere. there's not there's everywhere. not even enough seats. There's not enough seats for all those people, right? So you're gonna somebody's gonna sit next to you. Uh, either by accident or on purpose, <laughs> they're gonna, gonna sit next to you, and uh, nobody knew who I was, and I didn't know who they were. So, 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 um, so as practical as possible, Michael. Yeah. Okay. So, how do you say hi to the person next to you? you? Just did you say hi, I'm Michael, or did you just say yeah. hi and wait, wait to see how yeah, they no, react? I say, I say, you extend hi. your hand. Yeah, what, what's, I, say, I extend my hand. So I say, hi, you know, so, so I'm a guy, right? So there's also, you know, gender things we want. We're very practical. So whether it's a girl or a guy, I would say, hi, uh, my name is Michael. This is my first time attending, or this is my third time attending QuickBooks Connect. Um, I'm from Burlington, Vermont. Where, what's your name? Where are you from? That's, that's very simple. That, those are literally the words I would say is, hi, my name is Michael. I, this is my first time attending, or this is my third time attending. Do you do you extend your hand? Yeah, I extend, uh, extend my hand. Okay. Yep. Right. And uh, and you know, if they're eating, I wouldn't extend my hand, right? But they are. Yeah, right, 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 right. Because they have uh, they have a fork <laughs> in their hand. Now, <laughs> yeah. now, do you do you fear, or do you think some people fear that talking to someone that's eating, right? Because okay, you're eating. Um, you know that the person will kind of be annoyed because they, they like to sort of eat by themselves or eat quietly, or or is it? Is it safe to assume that if you're in a conference that you're eating, people are going to come talk to you and, 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 and that's sort of like fair game? Yeah, I think, I think it's safe to assume because you're sitting at a shared table where it's meant for everybody, right? No one, no one RSVPs a conference table unless it says RSVP on it. Like, you know, this is for the CEO of Intuit and his EVPs. There's no, no one, you know, gets to own those tables. So you sit down. And the other thing you could ask is, Hey, you mind if I you you mind if I sit down and get to know you, or um, I don't want to bug you. Or are you busy? You can also ask that. Is hey, I don't want to bother you if you're busy, but you mind if I sit down and get to know you? That's another way to um, to help make sure that you're not imposing mm. on somebody. But if you want to yeah, avoid that, you want to avoid the meal yeah. part. Just do it at the workshops and the se the speaker sessions. Right? You're going to end up now, sitting. I, yeah. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. What if the yeah. person next to you it's on their phone <laughs> and it, it looks like they're checking an email or something? Yeah, I would, I would avoid, I, I, I personally would avoid bothering them if, if, if they're, you know, looking at their phone. Um, or they, but, but oftentimes most people are just looking at their phone because they're, because no one's talking to them. Right. And they're mm -hmm. they themselves are actually, I would say a lot of people, it's, it's a quick habit to avoid having to talk to somebody because they're scared, they're intimidated sure, and they're waiting for somebody to talk to them. Right. And so sure. also, I, do you think, do you think that people, don't want to be embarrassed that they're not talking to anyone. So yep. they take out yep. the phone. So yep. they look busy instead of lonely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but in the case for me, I'm actually looking at my phone because I'm just checking up on work email, right? Because it's right, on between right, sessions right. and stuff. So a lot of people are just checking and stuff, but 
you, you know, an easy thing way to do that is, hey, um, hey, I'd love to say hi. If you're not too busy, I'd love to get to know you. That you know, and, and uh, but if you are, it's okay. You know, I get it. Um, and so I, I think being willing to be, um, it's okay to it, it's okay if to be willing to take that risk because I've never I've, I've honestly at every QuickBooks Connect I've never had a person say, "Hey, I'm too busy to talk," or "Hey," or or hurry from the conversation. Everybody is there if they're hurt, if they want to talk alone, they're going to go back to the hotel room. They're going to go to a corner of the building. They're going to go to a quiet spot because it's also loud. So why would you sit and want, you know, want to be silent at a, at a shared table having a meal? So it's also, you know, noisy. Um, so I would say I, I've never had somebody, you know, turn the conversation away or maybe at least didn't let me know they wanted to turn the conversation away. But, yeah. 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 I mean, how um, about you, Hector? What, what, I mean, what was your experience like? In, what, in- when I, yeah, when I started, like, like, Right now, it's like 50-50, like someone that I'll talk to may have seen me before because of YouTube, obviously, that helps a lot. So that's a huge social lubricant, of course. You know, it's, it's, it's when they know who you are, where you come from, what you're about, it's a lot easier to talk to someone. I, I get that. But five years ago, six years ago, before I was in social media and all that stuff, when I went to conferences, I, you know, I, I, I was excited to talk to people because I know that if the conversation extended to like five minutes plus, we'll start exchanging like really interesting information, right? You know, uh, growing pains of the business, uh, talking about some battle scars, you know, you know, sharing some, some moments that were difficult and how we uh, went about solving them or the resolution from trying different things to get a resolve. And, and that conversation usually provides tons of insight, tons of great information that you remember later on in the future when you have a similar problem. You're like, I remember she telling me that, that she had that problem and how she solved it and how she went about it or telling me how not to waste my time going this route or that route. That stuff is really valuable. The, the interesting thing about networking and, and, and making friends that are in the same industry and colleagues and building trust is that during the meeting of the people, you don't see a lot of, if you're looking for the commercial aspect, you're not going to see a lot of it. Like no one's going to whip out a checkbook and go here, here's, here's money for whatever. So let's, you really let's can't, do a deal right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's no deals, there's no business to make, but um, in the case of me meeting people that were hyper niched or hyper specialist, I like to keep those in the back of my pocket because um, when I do land in a client that's a really strange, weird uh, industry, and I'm like, I remember this guy that said he does that and just that. And when you refer someone so specialized like that, which, which you almost don't care about referring it because you probably can't help the client anyway, regardless, right? Can't, can't, can't solve the problem. So, um, so you, you, you send the client to, 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 to the perfect person that person will start referring you all every generalist client that comes along. Cause that's the, the beauty behind networking with specialists is a specialist turn down all the referrals or right. all the leads that are not from their specialty. So naturally they're going to send it to the people that send them business. So I think at least building a network of specialists, mm-hmm. you know, so you can refer business out, just you do it enough it starts coming back to you. So that's one reason. I would say that commercially speaking, that's something that it, yeah, it does take a couple of years to build your Rolodex per se. Um, but, uh, but after a while, when you start pushing it and, and, and seeing a work, it does come back. The other is just to get help. I mean, yeah. when, oh, when yeah. you, you, you make friends with someone in a conference that's an expert in beer manufacturing or whatever, and you, and you land a client that's in that niche and you don't want to refer it out, you can call them and say, hey, you know, uh, this is the type of client I have. They're really small. They don't want to go somewhere else. They want to work with me. I want to learn it. Let me ask you a few questions. And, you know, most people don't give away their entire know-how for free to a conference friend, but they might give you enough oh, for yeah. you to know exactly which, how to start. Because sometimes how to start is the hardest, hardest thing. So those are two, I think, really important reasons to, to, to make friends and, and, and build a network base 
in a conference of people of your same industry. Oh yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, uh, to have a little humility about yourself and your own skill set, And this is the approach I, I've taken. I take with everybody. I, I, I try to take with everybody I meet is I genuinely believe, genuinely believe I can learn something from anybody from, you know, the, smartest person to the youngest person to the oldest person to somebody who's been gray haired in the industry or somebody who's new and entrepreneurial to the industry. So if I can take that approach, well, every, every person I meet, every person I see that I have potential to meet, I have the potential to learn some, some insight or learn something new that I don't know, or learn how to be better at something that I don't know. And uh, if you take that approach, especially if you're, if this is your first or second time, first few times going to QuickBooks Connect, there are, you, you never know who you're sitting next to. You could be sitting next to a veteran, uh, somebody who is actually speaking on a panel or doing a workshop um, at QuickBooks Connect, who is going to be speaking in a room of hundreds of people and you get to have a 30 minute meal with them uh, and you get to pick their brain. Uh, you could be sitting next to a main stage speaker. You, you have no idea, you know, uh, there, we're all eating, we're all eating meals there in the same room. Um, so I, I think some people also just come into it saying, Hey, you know, maybe there are actually things you can learn from other people and that those other people could be in the room, uh, with you in the same space. And so I think taking that approach of just seeing people as, uh, anybody as an opportunity to learn and glean value from, uh, would be amazing. And, and I've, and I've met people at the conferences that have gotten me, that have gotten me business after conference, gotten me business throughout the year. I've met people who have asked me to come and uh, meet with their employees or um, coach or do a speaking engagement. I mean, there's abundant opportunities you get, I think, if you're willing to open yourself up. Um, but from a practical standpoint, also, if you're wanting to make just deep, solid friendships that could last for a long time in the industry and you don't, and if you currently feel isolated in the industry and you'd rather not feel that way anymore, quick connect, you know, and conferences give you that opportunity to meet like-minded people in your, in your profession, in your industry that could, that could help you not stay, not feel lonely anymore or not feel isolated anymore. Um, uh, especially if you're from a really small town like Burlington, Vermont, and where you might feel like you're the only person, only for a moment or doing what you're doing. Now you're like, oh, wait, there's a whole ecosystem doing this. I don't know if you feel the same way, Hector. Yeah. No, I, I do. And, and I want to unpack two things that you said. So one is the concept of, hey, you could be sitting next to a main stage speaker. And, 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 I, and I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm just yeah. going to like draw some parallels here. You know, what you're saying is, hey, this could be an interesting person you could be sitting next to. Okay. The, the other one you said is, you said the word like-minded because, uh, uh, you know, people that are sort of in your same, not as smart as you, that's probably the worst, the, the worst example of saying that they're the same mindset as you. Like they, they want to learn, they want to grow. That's kind of like, like what like-minded can mean. But in the other side of the coin, even if you meet someone that's not a main stage speaker, it's not like-minded, it's not in your industry, uh, his or her company size is much bigger. Maybe that you're starting up, maybe maybe someone that's literally decided yesterday to get into the industry and goes into the conference. Sometimes the lack of experience and the naiveness from not, uh, from not knowing it, it's actually becomes even, it could potentially be even more insightful. And let me explain what I mean by that. The raw reaction from someone that's not in the know about what you do and the questions that they will ask are gonna be so fundamental that you might not even be prepared to handle them. So it, it, like someone that's been following me for a very long time is gonna to wanna to ask me questions that are sort of like, okay, I wanna ask Hector a question that's like up there with the stuff that he does. Um, but if someone has no idea and I say, hey, I do things in YouTube uh, and somebody will say, well, why do you spend so much time in YouTube? These are questions that no one in the know would ask, but someone just getting started would ask that very naive question. And those are things that I don't have answers for. It's like, oh, yeah, you know what? It's a good question. I do spend an unproportionate amount of YouTube. Why am I doing it? So sometimes people from outside your industry or outside 
your expertise level or 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 your niche or your company size or the years of experience you've been on could could actually provide really interesting insight or you know through their naive questions you know uh, about, about you and your business and you can learn you can learn a lot if you're paying attention you mm. can learn a lot from that so we have a guest liz how are you what's up guys hey liz. okay Welcome so let me back. tell you why why i got liz in uh so <laughs> so so i said something you know i sometimes i don't think about what i say but i said something about that you know introvert and extrovert is just a a thing that it's not scientific it's just a switch in your head and she says bs that's not true there are you know there are scientifically proven introverts and extroverts so so i said Liz, come on and 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 educate are you just a glutton for punishment yes oh well yeah part two of our debate i guess (laughs) welcome back Liz. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And it's true. There have been scientific psychological studies proving that there are people that are definite introverts versus extroverts and what that means. And I agree with you, though, that it is a sliding scale, like nobody's just one or the other. um, But there's definitely a different personality type for that. Liz, are you are you an introvert or extrovert? What do you think? I, I don't know, honestly. I don't know you well enough to know. <laughs> I, I think I think I think, least, I think you're like me. I think you're an introvert turned extrovert. Um, no, I'm pretty extroverted. I like people in general. I like talking Always to people. Been. I, yeah, I Always can talk been. When I was a little kid, my best friend was like a homeless person on the corner in New York City because <laughs> not. It's a true story. Well, <laughs> I'll give you another true story. I used to be ultra introverted i used to be, i used to build i used to build computers i used to be an ultra computer geek you know my my idea of fun on a friday night was in a chat room uh back in the old school days when there was chat rooms which by the way is not that much different than now like right which mrc ones mirc exactly yeah. i used to be the king of mirc and Perfect. download music through it and stuff so i used to be very very introverted and I used to work in computers and websites and all that stuff until I got a job at Best Buy and I had to sell to people. And I basically learned, I basically extracted the extrovertedness out of me basically by working. So uh, that's why my, my theory, which again, it's just a theory. And, so let me ask and, you a question. Do you get more energy from interacting with humans or avoiding humans? I Energy, energy, and I don't, not sure if I can scientifically prove what energy means in this case, but in terms of getting energized and excited, if, if that's the definition of it, yeah, from talking to people for sure. Then Absolutely. You're extroverted. Yeah, you're extroverted. You're extroverted with hobbies that include yourself. <laughs> but, so it has to do with how, where you draw your energy from? Yeah. So they define it psychologically as where you get energy from and how you get excited and the way that your per- personality, your brain reacts to other people. Yeah. Yeah. So like, there, you know, like my, my wife's an introvert, right? And so what excites her would be like a weekend alone somewhere. Yeah. And she would come back refreshed and energized and excited and engaged. And a a week a weekend with like, you know, five to ten people, like with you. Or with me. (laughs) Not not energizing (laughs) whatsoever. But for me, the idea of a weekend alone is like scary. (laughs) Like I'm just it to take it would suck energy from me. And I would come back wanting wanting to nap. Right. Because wanting to sleep, you know, Liz, are you the same way? Like, yeah. So I actually have a lot of hobbies that like are alone time. I love to ski by myself. I love reading books, but every time I do this, I come home and I'm like to my husband at night, Hey, guess what happened today? Let me tell you all the things and interact with you because I haven't talked to anyone all day. Um, And he comes home from a day of interacting with people and is like, I can't like, please don't. (laughs) go away and leave me alone and then the next day he's all happy but relatively quiet so yeah that's a different well well well, the point i wanted to make wasn't to try to prove some something that's scientific or not because i know (laughs) nothing about but the point i'm trying to make it's more about inspiring people into thinking themselves out or digging themselves out of the grave (laughs) self-inflicted wound 
where they say, because I'm an introvert, I don't talk to people. And I understand that you can self-diagnose as an introvert, but then, but, but then if you use it as an excuse not to build relationships mm. with new people, it can hurt you. And I, I, I get it. If there's, some, chemi- if there's some chemical thing happening in your, in, in, in your brain, I, I, I get it. And I'm, and I'm sorry, but if, but if you push yourself, maybe one little step up, and like Michael said, shake some hands, talk to people, ask some questions, you know, just uh, have some naive, you know, just, just naive listening to other people and learning proactively and asking questions. You could, you could learn a lot. And, 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 and some people think that the source of knowledge is in books, and that might be true. But I think the source of knowledge, in my opinion, it's in people. Because at the end of the day, whatever books tell you to do, it's something related to have dealing with someone else. It's dealing with people. So it's, it's really, you know, consumers and humans and their behavior and how you communicate with them, how you interact with them that ultimately turns into a client or a business deal or a partnership. So I know that most introverts want to just learn from, from reading, but I think there's a lot of bigger opportunity to learn from others. So I completely agree with you there. And I would encourage anyone that self-identifies as an introvert to go to these things with like a list of questions. So it's something I do with my team when they go to events and conferences, and a lot of them are extremely introverted. I give them a list of standard questions to ask everyone to open conversations so that they feel more comfortable. I, I I think most, to me, it seems like the three of us are firm owners, you know, so we're entrepreneurs. And I might be stereotyping here. I have no scientific evidence around this, but as firm owners with employees, we probably will be more likely to be extroverted. Whereas our employees who are accountants and maybe even the accounting profession in general, um, that our employees are more likely to be introverted. What do you guys think that's true? Or have you noticed that amongst your employees where the majority seem to be introverted versus extroverted? Yeah. So actually I've done a lot of reading about accountants, typical personality types, because to me, it's really interesting. So I don't know if you're, you're um, familiar with the Myers-Briggs, but it's like the four digit ones. There's 16 main personality types. Um, And accountants tend to be ISTJ, which is introverted (laughs) and they're very judgmental. um, And they're thinking about things themselves in an intuitive way, which means that they're not great communicators in general. Um, And so, yeah, I completely agree with you, the typical personality type. And then if you look at it from like a DISC personality, which a lot of other people are familiar with, the typical accountant is a C, um, which are very detail oriented, very data and fact oriented people uh, who are quiet and introverted. And so, you know, the profession absolutely lends itself to people that don't want to talk to other people. Liz, let me ask you a question about this personality type. So let's say we're at a conference and we got this ISTJ person uh, sitting next to another ISTJ person. <laughs> Do those two things cancel out and then they can talk to each other? Um, well, pretty much a vortex from like hell opens up and everyone gets sucked in. Oh, wow. I think that's okay. the scientifically accurate thing that happens. Now, do, do you think it's an, it's an extroverted person's duty to help the introverted people assimilate or or or, or like or or, <laughs> or, the board, the board. <laughs> or resistance is futile yeah maybe assimilate is the wrong word but do you think there's someone that's that's extroverted that has the personality to connect with multiple people should kind of help energize these people in one way shape or form because i don't see i i understand that there's this personality profiles and disc but i, I try not to look at things that way you know i see each person as, a, as an individual and I, and I, and I don't like, I wouldn't have, like if everybody was wearing a, a, a tag with the personality type, I wouldn't talk to them differently. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend more time with them or less time with them. I, I, I don't believe that that matters if the person at that moment changes their state of mind. Cause I think that anyone at any point could change their state of mind, even if it's temporarily, I get really excited about something. So right? I don't disagree with you that people can 
force themselves into uncomfortable situations. But if you do recognize that their personality type is different, I would argue you probably unconsciously react differently to them. Like if you are talking to someone that's extremely introverted and you can tell they're uncomfortable, my guess is you're going to make a joke or, you know, tell them something personal. They feel much more comfortable opening up to you and you have that personal connection. Whereas if somebody like me is sitting there laughing already at myself because I think I'm hilarious, you're probably not going to make a joke to me, right? Um, You're probably not going to open up on a personal level, but you might start in on a business topic and have that conversation with me. So I think that people like subconsciously don't on purpose do it, but they do treat people with different personality types differently. Oh yeah. I I, I totally agree, Liz. And there's actually an exercise based off of Myers-Briggs that you can do as a team where um, there's this exercise where it walks through how the the members of your team go through their decision-making process based Mm -hmm. on their Myers-Briggs profile and where in the decision-making process, how much they spend time on time in each section and when they move along. So some people start in the data collecting factual stage. Some people start in the opportunity. What's the opportunity? Some people start in the practical application stage. And some people start in the, how does this impact the world around me or other people stage? And every personality type starts and spends different amounts of time there and so even in, like it was, was talking about, whether you're aware of it or not, we're, we're, actually, we're actually taking um, verbal and nonverbal cues from one another in interaction um, and we're making decisions. And the, obviously the, like somebody like Liz who's maybe studied it or somebody who was very aware with a, with a high EQ um, is going to be a lot, of, very aware and be somewhat sophisticated on how to how to interact and draw those things out of people. So, you know, a massive, a masterful relationship builder or networker can immediately pinpoint a personality type um, and they can use a shortcut like Myers-Briggs or maybe they just naturally have it if they haven't studied it and then naturally pull people out or figure out how to pull people out. Um, and I've, I've seen it at work in, 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 in some, in, in places where you're like, how did, how did you get, how did you get that person to open up or how did you get, you know, obviously that's why a lot of people go see counselors or psychologists or whatever, or, or go see Tony Robbins. I don't know, whatever it is, because these <laughs> are people who have studied relationships and personalities for so long and they get what it takes um, to do that. And, and I would argue in many ways, I mean, no matter what you think about our president, I would say he probably knows a lot about this because he's, he, whether he knows it or not, or whether he's actually officially studied or not, he knows how to engage people of all different kinds at their core and bring them out. And he either brings out you lo- the love, love for him, or he brings out absolute hatred for them. But either way, he knows how to bring it out. So you, you, there's personalities out there have, have studied this or figured out how to do this. Um, but maybe that's, that's like at the extreme <laughs> the spectrum of like, master relationship builder versus like somebody who's really quiet and scared to even say hi to somebody coming to a conference. But Liz, when you, you know, I know that you've attended a lot of zero cons. I'm not sure if you've been to a QuickBooks Connect at all. Um, when you for, went to your first kind of industry conferences, what was your approach, you know, and how did you feel going and like, what were some, what's some advice you'd give to first time attending? Yeah. So I've never been to QuickBooks Connect. I have been to almost every zero con in the U.S., Um, And I've spoken at the majority of them. So that gave me kind of like a shortcut to meet people because you get on stage and then there's a bunch of people that want to talk to you anyways, which makes it easier. Um, But when I attend conferences for the first time and I don't know anyone or specific industry conferences for like some of our clients, I do a lot in tech startups. So I go to a lot of tech conferences with, you know, crazy VCs and stupid rich people that are actually quite you know, child geniuses, things like that, that are, that can be quite intimidating. I personally try to find people that are interested in talking to other people about whatever they're doing, not interested in talking about themselves. Um, And so, and I also, I kind of have a a soft spot for people that don't know how to talk to other people. So the awkward people in the corner and the wallflowers and the ones that are hanging out by the bar, like staring at their cell phones. And I tend to just go up and start conversations, ask them. My favorite question to ask people is what's your 
your favorite part of your job or what's your favorite part of your company um, and get them talking about things that they really enjoy and love. Or I ask them, you know, what sessions did you attend today and what value did you get from it? What were your biggest takeaways? Um, and, you know, a lot, often I learn something because I can't attend all of the sessions, but frequently I see how the people interact with the content that they're attending. That's great. That's great. That's really, 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 really helpful. I, I, I like the fact that you were, you're intentional with people who you can sense are feeling intimidated or feeling a little anxious in the room and, and, and you can spot them. You know, it's easy to, I think, I think extroverts especially have an easy time spotting <laughs> introverts yeah. or people who are intimidated, um, which on some level goes back to what Hector's saying. Is it, is it a responsibility? I would say if, if you're the type of person that wants to give back to the industry and like you said, Liz, if you want to help other people and genuinely get to know other people, not just talk about yourself, I think if you if you can sense or see um, those introverts in the room or the people that are that that are a little anxious, if you can sense that, that's a unique gifting. That's that's actually not not everybody has that. So if you have that, you should take the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to talk to this guy 20 more times this week. How about I go to this other person who I'm, I've never met, who looks new, um, who looks a little scared or anxious, and, and just say hi and, and talk to them and get to know them and see if I can learn something and come with an inter come with an interesting question, like you says, Liz, um, you know, which is, you know, uh, what's the favorite part of your job? Or tell me about yourself. Tell me about what you're doing here. What do you want? To, what are you excited about? Um, what are you excited about this week or what, what workshops you're going to? Um, maybe I can go to one with you, sit next to you if I happen to be at one of them or invite them to your session. If you're, if you're a speaker say, Hey, well, why don't you come to mine and sit in the front? I'd love to chat with you afterwards and, and get your thoughts about what I, what I had to say. And so, uh, I think that's really cool Liz, like that, that you kind of have that eye. And I think more of us, especially those of us who are in the know, I guess, um, should, I think take it upon ourselves to really be on the lookout because even the people in the know, is still a pretty small circle of, of a few hundred and there's thousands of people going through this industry and millions in total in the industry yeah. connecting with, right? Yeah. So in the U.S., the AICPA, so for only looking at CPAs, the membership is over 500,000. And then when you add in bookkeepers, there's over a million people that identify as a bookkeeper. And so it's an amazingly large industry. Um, but I also put my foot in my mouth very frequently. So I was having a relatively loud debate at AICPA Engage a couple of years ago, um, criticizing the president of the AICPA and the speech that he had just given as the keynote for the big, you know, conference, whatever, um, to a friend who was sitting next to me at a session. And right after the session, we, were, we picked up our debate. And there was this guy sitting next to me who was looking at me like, not saying anything, just kind of making faces. So I looked at him and I'm like, it looks like you have an opinion. I'd like to hear it. And so he went off about, you know, why the, the president was making the comments that he did and understanding a bit more. And, and so then I'm arguing with this guy. So we go to lunch and we're having an argument between the three of us about, you know, the future of the profession and why people are holding back on technology and what it means. And then I learned at the end of that conversation that I was arguing with the senior editor of the Journal of Accountancy, who works for the AICPA, and he gave me his card and has since become a like great friend. But it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, no, I really just put my foot in my mouth and should probably keep my mouth shut and not argue with people. But I engaged someone who was clearly an introvert who wasn't going to say anything um, just because of his facial expressions. And it turned out to be a good thing at the end. That's great. That's great. Well, Hector, and I know you've read the book, uh, How to Win, Win Friends and Influence People. Um, I'm sure Liz's method that she just described is not in the book, but, but it won a friendship. So, uh, Hector, what are some, are there any tidbits you can glean or share that we can glean from that book that might in, in help introverts coming to these conferences or help us in general? With uh, Sure. So just interesting factoid. How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie was written during World War II. Wow. Okay. So it is that old and it's probably one of the most timeless business books out there. And I'm not sure if that, if the book was ever marketed as a business book, but the context of the business book, they talk about Kodak, you know, uh, the, the CEO of Kodak and that sort. So obviously this is back in the day, companies that were big back in the day. 
But one of the things I liked about the book is that none of it really is about technology. Most of it is about, you know, what you say, how you act, and and how you say things. So there are six key takeaways in, in this is according to my notes, because I did a book report in college and this, so I had to dig out my book report uh, from, uh, from college that I did like 10 years ago. So my six uh, uh, takeaways from that book was one, six ways to make people like you. One is become generally interested in other people. And I will tell you, and what I wrote as my explanation of it 10 years ago wasn't that good. So I'll tell you with that same title, what I, what I think that means now. What, what that means now is that even if the other person is not interesting, but because it could be, I, I met a lot of uninteresting people in my life, but even if they're not interesting, um, you have to pick a switch in your head to say, I am going to be very interested on everything this person says and does. And I'm all, I'm going to look at the side of, Hey, I, I know nothing about this person, about how they make a living, how they deal with clients. And I'm going to find everything that they say fascinating. And you can, you can do this. And, and, and the, 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 the easiest way to do this is to say interesting at the end of what they say. When they say something, they say interesting. <laughs> and then what happens is when you say interesting, the other person gets really excited because maybe nobody else has ever called their stuff interesting before. And they, and they go into more details. And you say, wow, that's interesting. And they go into more details. And usually in that third layer of details, actually really interesting things come along because in, in the depth of knowledge is the little details that sometimes you go, huh, I had no idea that people, like I was speaking to a guy in a conference not too long ago, and he started talking about a client that raised snakes. You know, and then you know, and he started, and I said, "Interesting!" And wow, and he went deep into the snake breeding business. But then when he started, but then at some point into like my third interesting, they said, and they sold this snake for seventy five thousand dollars. I said, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! What snake was that? <laughs> oh, it was a two headed snake." Oh my gosh! So now that they figured out how to breed two headed snakes, these people are all trying to breed like this natural abomination so they can sell them for a lot of money. And that was interesting. That was actually really interesting. The other thing is that uh, they had to buy rats, right? Because this is the food for the snakes. <laughs> so it turns out that not a whole lot of people sell rats. Uh, rats, because rats are free, right? You can find them anywhere. So, so they had to, like, they, they had an issue finding rats. And then they realized that it was their cats. This guy was a cat person. If you own cats, rats will never come right. to your farm. So they had to move the cats to like their sisters or something. And then little by little, the, basically the snakes fed themselves, right? The rats came in. So that, at that point of that's the conversation, so it, started, it started becoming interesting, correct? <laughs> but I have to say that's interesting at first when it didn't sound interesting. So that's kind of like how, I, how I, I apply this to the real world. So that's one, become generally interested in other people. The second one is smile. Now, yeah, yeah. I know that sounds dumb, but... But because you, you don't need to read a book to tell you to smile, but smiling those two things. Uh, one is tells the other person you're happy and who likes to speak to unhappy people. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, if I love someone, they're unhappy. I want to speak to them because I want to help them. But if I don't know the person, I don't want to deal with your crankiness and your unhappiness. I came in happy. I don't want that to spread over to me. So, but the other thing is I have an employee that she smiles on the phone she smiles on the phone and she oh. makes it a point that she forces herself to smile on the phone and the customer cannot see the smile but the customer feels the smile like my customers tell me i know that when jessica's talking to me she's smiling it's so <laughs> weird it is so weird but it is true something about the smile changes that the the the, the, the the voice or how you talk and, and my mom tells me that smiling actually tells your brain fakes your brain into thinking that you're happy, even if you're not happy. Mm. So you can actually give yourself a temporary uh, sort of adrenaline. And I forgot what that yeah, chemical in your brain. Where you yeah. speak while you're smiling and see if it's different from when you speak Go. when you're, you know, have resting. Yeah. Think about, think <laughs> about how good of a sleep you have when you go to sleep smiling. Think about that thing that happens in a married life and you go to sleep right after and you go to sleep when you're married. How do you wake up? Rested and happy. Yes, 
So if you go to sleep smiling, yes, I think that is a great thing. All right, so that's number two. Number three is remember the person's name. To the person's name, the, the sound of their name, it's really nice. Like for some reason, yeah. you, you love when people say your name. So kind of like, yes, I, I love it. Yeah, say it again. Uh, Actually, so they, they, they Bill Clinton was really good at this. That's why he was so people liked him so much because he remembered right. everybody. Even if he had met him only once, he would remember their name. Right. And we saw him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so if you're talking to someone and, you know, so I, I say, and Mike, and this happens, and Mike, you wouldn't believe this, and this happened, and Mike, if I tell you this, I mean, you could just throw mm. it in there, you know, in, 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 in every other sentence, to, and also makes the person a bit more alert and mm. says, oh, you're talking to me, it's with me, or it's about me. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's just how, I guess that's how we're wired. So that's number three, like say, say, say remember their name, of course, and, and say it as often as possible. Number four is be a good listener. Right. Um, again, you don't need a book to tell you that, but somebody said this once and it resonated with me, which is we got two ears and one mouth. So mathematically speaking, you should be speaking only a third of the time. Now I personally don't follow that rule at all. Um, my, <laughs> really? My, really? Yeah, my, well, Mike has done studies on how long I speak in this podcast. And he's like, Hector, you're speaking two thirds of the time. That's unfair. It should be one third. Yeah. So don't take my example for it. But according to how to win friends and influence people, you should try to. It's the uh, one get out of the, the six Hector decides, chooses to not yeah, follow. <laughs> I, I take five out of six. Yeah. Five out of six is not bad. I mean, that's it's like. Not it's not um, so, uh, so, so, so the point is that try to get the other person to mm -hmm. speak more than you. And somehow when people are the ones, when someone is the one that's speaking and the other person is listening, that builds trust. I know it sounds really weird and strange, but when someone just hears you, you start trusting them more, which is a, it's a weird counterintuitive thing because you would think that what they say is what builds trust. But no, it's the fact that they were looking at you, listening you, to you, saying interesting saying your name, saying, Mike, that's a great, I, I love that. So just like, just being, a, being an active listener. So that's number four. Number five is uh, talk in terms of the other person's interest. This is a little bit difficult because, and, and some people do this wrong, where they try to translate everything to what the other person does. I have a lot of clients that try to translate things to accounting as if I'm an idiot and I couldn't understand it if it wasn't in accounting terms, you know, but like, like imagine if you had a debit or credit, I'm like, dude, I understand the two-headed snake. You don't need to give me the, the accounting version of it. So, but but um, sometimes if you understand what the person is all about or where they're coming from or or where they're from or or even you know their heritage or, or their personality, exactly how, how Lisa says, when you understand that and you adapt it a little bit so it works a little bit better for them without dumbing it down, without making it obvious that you're trying to translated or mansplained or however mm. you know terms people use so i think that's just really important and that's a difficult one to do because if you do it wrong it will come out wrong absolutely it will it, it could even come out condescending right so, so that one's a little bit difficult one uh to do and the sixth one is make the other person feel important sincerely and 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 one of the biggest things i can think about is if you're speaking to someone and the phone rings and you just answer it like nothing, you know, obviously you're not making that person feel important. And in today's age, that's really it. You know, as long as, as long as while the person's talking to you, it's not obvious that your head is somewhere else because mm -hmm. you're checking your phone or looking out to see other people or checking your watch. Um, it, that's just an important one. And if you do have a hard stop, you can say, Hey, just by the way, I'm looking at my watch because I have to be somewhere at six, but uh, I would love to hear more about what you're saying. And here's my business card, just in case we don't get, you know, we don't get to finish the conversation. I don't know what's the right transition there because we're all busy and there's other things going on, but making the other person feel important or, or, or the opposite, at least don't make them feel that they're not important. So those are the six points I have from my book project on how to win friends and influence people. Liz, do you, have, do you have a favorite, Liz, on one of those six? 
Uh, yeah, so actually, I think it's really important to be an active listener. So making them feel important is the one that I like, uh, because I'm extremely ADHD. And I have a tendency to get really bored really quickly. So I only heard about three words of what he said that time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and no, when you're actively listening and engaging with people, I tend to repeat words in my head as I'm listening, the ones that are important. Um, and so I do this almost subconsciously at this point. I used to sit in class and somebody would call me out for not paying attention and I would repeat like the last two sentences that they said um, verbatim, which I can still do, but it's different when you're looking at them versus not looking at them. And that took me a long time to learn. Like you can't, like I listen while I'm staring off at things and looking at other things, but if you're not looking at them and engaging them in conversation, they can't tell that you're actually paying attention. Yeah, no, that's good. So yeah, active listening. Yeah. And I, I like the, I like the, um, the first one, I like the first one because it seems like it seems to drive the rest. Whereas like uh, most people, if they're honest with themselves, they are not genuinely interested in other people. <laughs> like, like, especially if you're an introvert, right? You're just not genuinely interested. Uh, or maybe I'm making the wrong stereotype there. Because I, I, think, I think extroverts, I think extroverts have an easy time being genuinely interested in other people because they enjoy being around other people, right? They really want to be around other people. So I don't think wanna... it's a lack of um, people being genuine in that. I think it's a lack of having the innate skill to communicate with people in that way. So yeah, they might not get energy from having those conversations, but that absolutely does not mean they're not interested. interested. Yeah. Um, and I think it's easier in a one-on-one -on -one situation for introverts and then they can be incredibly, you know, verbose, um, and, and get to, to have great conversations, but there's definitely an interest level. It's not a lack of interest. It's a lack yeah, of I mean, energy. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's probably, yeah, you're right. It, it, and, and I, I would say, yeah, you're right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, it doesn't really gauge what their actual interest is. It's just whether it's like you said, it's whether they can communicate, or ability to communicate. Um, but yeah, I would say that first one is just that genuine interest in other people um, and, and, and wanting to, wanting to be, to be that, wanting to have that genuine interest or cultivate, even, I, I think you have to even cultivate it. You work on it and, and learn to find people interesting. Cause I think people are, I think people in general are interesting uh, and there's so much to learn and so much to navigate there. Um, um, so this has been, this has been great. I think we're at our hour. Uh, any last closing thoughts, Liz or Hector? Liz, I thank you so much for joining us, by the way. Yeah, thanks for letting me jump on midway. Of course. I'll, I'll add a couple of things. Um, so a couple of sort of extra notes I have here from my book report. Okay. One of them is avoid saying you're wrong. Okay. Mm. Or so um, I, th I think you could change that with, uh, let me give you another perspective. You know, so you can simply disagree with someone saying, let me give you another perspective. Um, and this works really well for political heated debates, by the way, um, because unfortunately, most people, when they get heated politically, there's, they there's only a right side and a wrong side. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, so I think the best way to argue is say, hey, let me give you another perspective uh, to a different uh, type of demographic or or person that might see it in a different way because of their situation. Let me let me tell you where they're coming from. And then let's let's argue whether or not, you know, we need to make a decision for everybody unilaterally, whether it's right or wrong or something like that. So I think that's a really good one. The other one is when you say, do you understand or are you understanding me? That sometimes, depending on how you say it, that could that could sound um, uh, condescending. Right. Mm -hmm. So one of the one of the best ways to say that is to kind of flip it and say, did I? you know, was I clear on that? Or uh, did I explain that correctly? Or I'm not sure if I'm explaining myself correctly, like just kind of send it back to you, that you're unsure if you're making your point versus are you understanding me? Because I guess the ch I, it's easier to say, you understand? Okay, so we're ready to move on to the next step. The problem is that for some people that that's devastating. It's like, okay, you're implying that I'm not understanding. You know, so that, I think that's another... Uh, important one, and I kind of have that in the in there. But the last thing I'll, I'll add is communication skills, and I'm by far I'm no, I'm not, I would not, I would say I'm not great at communicating. I am not, but I'm not shy from trying. So it's two different things. I, I don't think I'm a great communicator, but I'm certainly not shy about trying. 
and I will try to get better every single day at it. And I think that improving your communication skills, being a better communicator, it is the single most important thing you can do. I mean, people say, oh, sales skills. Yeah, you know what? Sales skills is an application of communication skills. Oh, uh, you know, accounting skills. You know what? At the end of the day, you can be a brilliant accountant, but if no one understands what the heck you're doing, right? You need to be able to communicate it and explain it. And then, okay, I'm a brilliant whatever. I can't scale my business if I can't teach someone how to do it. So communicating is the absolute most important thing. And people say that action uh, speaks louder than words. And that, that I, I, I get that. And in many cases, it does. But if you're not a person of action, uh, then just become really, really good at communicating. And if you're an introvert and you don't want to communicate, then, then communicate with your actions. And the best way to communicate genuine interest and empathy is just helping someone else, mm-hmm. right? You could, you could be quiet the entire time, but if you're helping the other person with a smile on your face, trust me, you're building a really deep relationship. So depending on which, I mean, if you can do both, help someone and communicate great, obviously that's the ultimate uh, weapon. But, but, but for anyone that's thinking uh, that communication skills is not that important, it is the most important thing. And doing things like this, uh, you know, this Facebook lives and doing videos and doing podcasts, it's practice. Communication, just like everything else, it just takes practice. So if you're an introvert and you don't talk a lot, well, you're not going to get the practice to get better. So start a podcast, start a Facebook live with someone, you know, practice communicating. That's simple. Have you ever read anything written by Brene Brown? Yeah. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I just saw Brene Brown's Netflix special. It's fantastic. So she's she's amazing. And if you're working on communication skills and trying to figure out how to have that human empathy, that's where I tend to send people as a first place to read because she talks a lot about holding space for people to be human and that's I mean the sum of what you were saying Hector is very much that you need to be able to communicate with people on a human level and allow them to also be human and show empathy and be able to help them through that communication and there are many actions you can take to facilitate that that's great. That's great, Liz. Well, look, I'm I'm not arguing with you for once. <laughs> I know. I'm like I'm like I'm bored. I thought you were coming. I totally to agree with you. Yeah. Well, I guess we had an. You were very interesting. Everything you said was very interesting. <laughs> Thanks, guys. This has been great conversation. I think that the uh, the crew online has really, really been engaged on this as well. So. I'm looking forward to seeing all you introverts and extroverts at at the conferences this fall um, as we go into fall conference. And uh, we'll see you guys next uh, next Friday night live. Good night, everybody. Thanks, Liz. Thank you for coming. Thank you, guys. Good night, Liz. Good night, Hector. Good night.